Welcome to Watchmen Minute, where we take a look at the director's cut of Zack Snyder's Watchmen one minute at a time. My name is Travis Bowe from the Real Comic Heroes podcast. I'm Eric Nash. And I'm Scott Corelli from DuelingGenre.com. Glad you made it back, Scott. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Minute 33 starts with Dan seeing Lori while putting his glasses on and ends with Lori asking Dan why they do it. So this uh, this Captain Carnage thing is right out of the comic, which is cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the uh, that that bit uh, that you can't really catch because they it's through the the window. Um, but that bit about uh, did you know that he and HJ were? I had no idea. I I I guess that's is that the only that's the only sort of uh, attempt to. Um, talk about uh, Hooded Justice being gay, right? Um, there's a maybe another slight reference to it when he's kind of uh, pounding the crap out of a uh, comedian later, and he says, yeah. like, is, is this what you like? Right. Um, but that could also other... be that could also be about him being like a masochist. Like, I could mean, I, yeah, yeah. You could you yeah. could take that a few different ways. Um, sure. Obviously, the yeah. comedian being the gross person that he is <laughs> obviously yeah. means it that way. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It is an odd, and I never really caught this um, just watching it until I like had the script about. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, "What? What is this line? Like, where does this come in?" So I, had, you know, it was nice having the script in relation to the movie because I never would have really noticed that. I thought it was just a bit of idle chatter. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. This many years later, and they're still talking about like uh, rumors and and things like that that you know from the past. So. Well, just in general, the um, I guess that 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 does open the door to a larger discussion discussion about the uh, social politics in this movie, um, yeah. and and in the and in the comic as well. Um, I I've always been a little baffled by them, uh, just because I don't know what it's trying to say because it it is depicting Rorschach as. You know, sort of the, um, and I mean, maybe this is just a lot of uh, of people misinterpreting what Alan Moore meant uh, when he was writing it. I'm not sure, but they, there are a lot of people who seem to believe that Rorschach is like the hero of this, oh, right. of yeah. this, of this uh, story. And I find that interesting because it also seems like it's a uh, just a a a really disparaging look at. Uh, conservative politics of the of the 80s yeah. um well really conservative politics of the 70s because you know ronald reagan isn't president in this universe um so i i i don't i don't uh yeah like the whole thing just fi- I, I find the whole thing kind of confusing because it seems like they're a little uh conservative like all the characters are a little conservative but but then also everyone seems to be a, like the, the, the story as a whole seems to be arguing that conservative politics are bad. Like, I, I don't I don't really know what the argument is. It, it, it gets a little I think it gets a little muddy at times. Yeah. 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 And, and we talked about that uh, last week 
uh, quite a bit with uh, kind of looking at Rorschach as the hero, like you said, and, Mm -hmm. and how like some of the stuff he's saying about his former teammates and, you know, former heroes of the past. It's like this guy, you know, Rorschach is not obviously not a nice guy, but not like his moral compass does not line up with, uh, I think most of ours. And, uh, you know, he's not really a very heroic guy as far as, mm-hmm. you know, his treatment and his, his, how he feels about everyone else. So, right. Yeah. yeah. What's interesting about it is that like, okay, so they, they, uh, you know, they passed the Keen Act, and obviously um, that's something that they talk about uh, tomorrow. But sure. since we're talking about the politics, I, I just want to bring this up for a second. Um, it, uh, you know, obviously when Alan Moore was writing this, it was a deconstruction of superhero comics and about the idea of, you know, look, all of these superheroes are conservatives. Like, that's, they all have conservative values. They all have conservative ideals like that was sort of his overall criticism i think of of comics at the time and so he was using these characters to do that i almost wonder if dr manhattan was meant to be um you know sort of like let's coldly look at this world and see what it's what it's actually like and why we can't actually do that because it it you know takes away humanity or or what have you but I feel like that's the argument that he's trying to make is that all of these superheroes are conservative and there's an irony in the conservative politics outlawing the conservative heroes. Um, But I'm just I'm not I'm not entirely sure uh, what exactly he's trying to say if he's trying to say anything about the time. That it it's uh, coming out, um, you know the hmm. the '80s politics, or if it's more of an argument about superheroes, or if it is both, how? Because yeah, it just doesn't. It seems like all of these characters are conservative in a yeah. conservative world, and if that's the case, then what are you arguing? I guess. Well, and I think like this is a world where Nixon is in his fifth term. So right. obviously, and even like Dan says, well, it was it was him or the commies, you know. So with right. this uh, the the Cold War the way it is, like it's either it's either the United States, which is just heavily conservative, or it's communism. And obviously, everyone here is is against that. In it presented in the movie and like. Demo- or, you know, the Democratic Party, I think, in this movie kind of died with Kennedy. Right. As far as, like, the be- them being the, you know, maybe a substantial party because clearly with, with five terms of Nixon, like, there's just nobody that's been able to oppose him until now, so. Right. It's interesting. I'll be I'll be interested yeah. to see what you guys can dig up as you're as you're mm. continuing on. If you're trying like trying to find like what the, I guess the political argument of the story is, because um, <laughs> I'm not I'm not entirely sure. Because e- I mean even the ending it it seems to be like, you know Rorschach was right or or at the very least you know uh, our villain was wrong. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. I- I think a lot of it is just like it's the lesser of two evils kind of thing, especially with concern for like right Nixon as president, you know. Yeah. That's why I almost wonder it's I wonder if the story is meant to be less a deconstruction of our society and more 
a deconstruction of superheroes in general. Mm. Um, and that's it. Like that, that's, that's all he really meant to do. Um, and maybe that's why some of the politics stuff gets, uh, a little messy and weird. Is, yeah. And, it, is, and doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And it's, and it's because like in, in terms of like overall thematics and it's because he's not making an argument about American politics. He's making an argument about American superheroes. Um, mm. I don't know. Yeah. I, <laughs> at, at the same time, you talk about the deconstruction of superheroes, at least in the, well, well from <laughs> one of the things that I've kind of latched onto and I can, I can definitely agree with that. It's, it's kind of a, a, a a poor thing that that the, this movie wasn't really able to do as well is it's that at least the book is not just about the deconstruction of the superheroes, but also the deconstruction of the comic book, right? As a medium, right? And that's the one thing that really, when we take it to the movie format, it's going to have a much much tougher time trying to get anything like that across. Well, I think it it does to a certain extent because it. I believe it's attempting to deconstruct superhero movies, but okay, yeah, right. I don't I don't yeah. know that it has anything really deep to say about them other than wow, vi- this violence is gratuitous. Like this is what here it's your your superheroes would really look like if they were fighting the people they were fighting. Um, you know, they'd be like ripping bones out of bodies and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and then also like, you know, nipples on the Ozymandias suit and, you know, just like little things like that. But I don't know that it has anything large scale to say about it. Whereas mm-hmm. like Watchmen, the comic has lots of things to say about comics in general. And um, as far as the movies go, you know, as far as a superhero comic or superhero movie goes, I mean, almost 10 years later and we have Deadpool. Something right. that, that many people certainly on the surface laugh at, think it's just hilarious, mm-hmm. but it has, with all that meta stuff going on, right? Yeah. it probably does make a better point. Right. It's a, it's a better point. use of the medium for an argument like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think it's hard for a, a studio, you know, like obviously Warner Brothers producing this, like it's mm-hmm. hard for them to want to get butts and seats and sell popcorn and bash the superhero genre, you know? Right. So I definitely think there's a, probably a reason that they don't touch on a lot of that as much. Well, and I, and I think, uh, I think a big part of it is that Zack Snyder loves this. Like, yeah. you know, he, he Clearly. obviously, he obviously loves this. Whereas Alan Moore had disdain for it. <laughs> yeah that's yeah. why he was writing it and so sure. these are two guys com- coming from completely different uh you know philosophical outlooks to the story that they're yeah. to the same story and i think that you can sort of feel it where this doesn't feel like a deconstruction it feels like an adaptation of a deconstruction mm, um yeah which yeah because yeah you're right alan moore kind of Kind of, I think wanted wants you to walk away with it by thinking like, like you should hate this and you should hate this medium because the, you know this is what you've or this is what comic books right. are and uh, yeah 
know. It's wrong. You're wrong. And you've yeah. been wrong all along. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And this should be the last comic book story ever written. You know, right. That kind of that kind of attitude, right. I think. Which he did multiple times. Like that's <laughs> yeah. That's what the Killing Joke is. That's yeah. what whatever happened to um, the Man of Tomorrow. Like that. That's what that yeah. is. Like. Uh, like he did that story multiple times and no one got it through their skull. They were just like, <laughs> I love this. And he's like, okay, I'll write another one and collect a paycheck. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, he does care about that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there is a, uh, you know, it's, it's so funny because this shouldn't be a criticism, but in the case of Watchmen, I think it is. I think that there is a lack of cynicism in this movie that Hmm. the comic has like there is cynicism in the story but snyder loves it so much that the movie (laughs) doesn't feel cynical sure Uh, you know and i think that it takes away from the story's power a little bit the fact that its author is not you know this 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 like crazy cynical guy um Mm. like alan moore was when he wrote it so i don't know yeah. It's 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 just really interesting to see like how, like how that sort of philosophical difference can affect this story so much. Um but I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. So as far as like the first time I I watched this minute just, you know, preparing for this week of of recording, like I just let the minute play through without pausing, without taking any notes and just found myself like just grinning from ear to ear by the end of this minute. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a really nice minute. I think, I think it might be the most pleasant minute of the movie because of the chemistry with these two, they're laughing, they're telling stories like in, in these two actors, you know, uh, Malin Ackerman and Patrick Wilson get to do, a little bit of anecdotal acting where they're none of it's relevant to the plot. It's just fluff about the old days and they get to laugh and they get to um, perform it in a way that just feels fairly real. I think Mm -hmm. as far as like conversational real people, that kind of thing. And I just really, really like this minute um, as far as that kind of thing goes. And it might be not, not the only like nice moment, in the movie, but it's probably about the last pleasant minute in the movie. I I actually I actually think the most uh the most pleasant minute of the movie is uh when um when um uh Rorschach says that awful thing about Lori and then and then Dan like goes off on him and then oh. it's like I like, ah, I you know what, I'm sorry. Uh-huh. And then yeah, you know, yeah. and then Rorschach like stands up and he's like you're a good friend. I never tell you that, but you are. And I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's, that's probably my favorite minute of the whole movie. Like that just, it just makes me feel like all the warm and fuzzies. I don't know. Nice. Okay. I like that one. Fair enough. But, um, I did also note that when she says uh, crazy guy, uh, in reference to captain carnage, I believe, uh, uh, outside, it's an outside shot though. And who's walking by in front of the Mm -hmm. restaurant is the end is nigh sign guy. Yep. Who we haven't really. I think it's our second <laughs> appearance of the of the end is nigh sign. I think. Right. Yeah. So we'll have to see what that guy's up to later. Mm-hmm. 
Um, <laughs> I like that they get the uh, the four legged chicken uh, mm-hmm. reference from the book in here. A um, little more obvious in, in this because you've got like from another table someone saying that they're glad that they ordered the four legged chicken. So an obvious yeah. little uh, nod to one of the panels in the book where they're they're kind of setting the scene here of of Dan and Lori's uh, dinner and you've got like a server with a platter with uh, a chicken with four legs. And I I wonder if uh, earlier when we meet uh, Adrian and Doug Roth is talking about genetic engineering, I I kind of wonder if this is kind of tied into that. Like is is he – are they yeah. genetically engineering chickens in order to feed more people and make more, more money? Or, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. So well, I'm kind of wondering I, if that's that. Okay, that gives me, <laughs> takes me to a to a, a, a sort of over overarching criticism I have for this film. <laughs> um, okay, which is the fact that like I, I find that this adaptation tries to have its cake and eat it too much. And uh, or or or, you know, have its four legged chicken and eat it um, (laughs) as the case may be. But yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, okay. so the four legged chicken thing um, that is obviously coming from that's an Ozymandias thing. And and, um, you know, and he is into genetic engineering and all of that. I mean, that's why he has that cat thing. Yeah, uh, because that's that's genetically engineered. But here's the thing in the graphic novel. That's all set up for the big alien reveal he's genetically he did all of that so that (laughs) he could genetically engineer an alien that he could drop on new york uh to unite the world he doesn't do that in this so all of that setup to him being a genetic engineer doesn't really track for me and just feels like a waste um where it's like Mm. if you're not gonna do the genetic if you're not gonna do the alien which look I'm. I would never criticize this thing for not doing the alien. That's it's a silly, <laughs> it's a yeah. silly, goofy thing. But if you're going to do the genetic engineering, he, he needed to have another. His final plan, his end game, needed to be something to do with genetic engineering, and it's just not. Mm. Um, and I so I I find that it's it's like Zack Snyder got too married to these small elements, but wasn't understanding why they were there okay and just felt like well that's part of the iconography ozymandias has that cat thing so we have to have the cat (laughs) thing in the movie because he's not ozymandias without the cat thing but he doesn't understand the purpose that the cat thing serves in the overall story of Watchmen. he just puts it in there um and and that four-legged chicken thing is another perfect example of that like yeah yeah it just doesn't it doesn't track like because it doesn't go anywhere um, in this version, in this adaptation of the story, because there's no genetically engineered alien thing. Um, sure. Yeah. Uh, so mm. I, I, yeah. So I have, I have an overarching issue with, sure, um, sure. with stuff like that in this movie uh, of just like where I don't, I, I kind of lose confidence in Zack Snyder every once in a while where mm. um, something like that happens where I'm like, oh, that's just here because you saw it in the comic and you want it to be in the movie. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and you have no understanding of intellectually why it's there. Um, and uh, that happens a lot in here. And it, it bugs me. Mm. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, Sorry. No, 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 no. Because um, that 
I'm guilty of that as well then because I I didn't tie in the chicken to the end of the book. I would I thought of it more as a oh we can feed more people and and he talks about uh well there's signage that talks about like famine relief and things like that. I thought well if they're if they're engineering crops and other food like maybe that's more for um bettering making the world a better place that kind of stuff that they talk about a lot mm-hmm. in the book and and um so i didn't connect it yeah it's definitely yeah. that's definitely what's going on i mean the thing yeah is, like he's it's not but like there's he's, a reason for it right yeah. it's all yeah, yeah, yeah. building blocks to okay. that ultimate yeah. his ultimate end game um, sure you know he he's definitely look dude's a businessman he still wants some yeah. tax write-offs so <laughs> yeah <laughs> He's still yeah, going to, yeah. you know, find ways to make money on on this stuff that he's doing. But it is all, you the know. The results go to the. the right. To the end the game. The bigger. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So. And it, and then as far as like how they change that again, like I think it's I, I don't think it's not smart to do um, the Dr. Manhattan third act. But sure. uh, the framing. But I. I wish that – and again, it's – he's too close to the material. He doesn't want to change the material too much. And so he's afraid to making big changes to strengthen his new third act, which I think makes the third act weak because here's the thing. There's a line in here. Uh, multiple times they repeat it. The Superman is, is real and he is American or, you know, mm. the, a god is real and he is American. Yeah. Um, he's American. So – if you frame Dr. Manhattan, it's not going to bring the world together. It's just going to bring the world together in opposition to America. <laughs> like, that's what would happen. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like they're, 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 uh, the movie was lacking a moment at some point where America turned its back on Dr. Manhattan. Um, so that when that third act happens you you can accept like oh yeah america and the rest of the world all join forces to like say okay we we need to take out this dr manhattan guy yeah i think that's what the the stuff in the tv studio kind of sets up the you know not enough journalists being being the kind of stand-in for the american public i don't i don't think i don't think enough because he's still a government entity Mm. um he's still like working with the government and the government is still blaming like Lori, uh, you know, yeah. for not, you know, playing her role. There's that whole, there's that whole scene sure. where she like slams that guy's face into the, <laughs> into the yeah. table. Um, uh, so I, I, I don't know. I feel like there, there it, it just could have been a little stronger of like the, of like maybe he like goes back and they're just like, we're not interested in you. Um, or they try to like take him down and he like, you know, leaves for Mars or whatever. Just like something to show that like, oh yeah, no one wants him on this planet anymore. Um which could have again been manipulated by Ozymandias and that yeah. would have been I, I again, I just think that that would have all led to like a stronger third act for this adaptation's version of it. Um mm. and uh I just think it's uh lacking a little bit. Uh, I think you might like that scene between Green Goblin and Spider-Man too much on the rooftop. <laughs> uh, what? Where he's telling him about, you know, the they'll love you until they hate you. Oh. And then, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I mean, that's I, I, I just think it's 
I think it's necessary to make the the Ozymandias' plan work because yeah. Yeah. he's supposed to be the smartest man on the planet other than Dr. Manhattan, I suppose. But even he, I, I think he considers himself more intelligent than Dr. Manhattan. Sure. Um, uh, because hubris. But uh, I, I just, I think he's smart enough to know the outcome would not be what he wanted it to be. Um, so I don't know. Hmm. In any event, uh, <laughs> I do. I like that. It's a tighter ending. I like that. It's not as silly as the, as the alien thing. I just wish there was something that um, strengthened uh, uh, America turning its back on him. Sure. Um, as a, as a government, because it doesn't really matter what the American people have to say to the rest of the world. What matters is what the government says. And the government like has been, you know, keeping him in a bomb shelter for, you know, however long, uh, and he's been working for them and everything. So I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. It's a lot to think about. Yeah. Um. (laughs) (laughs) I, yeah, it's something, something to like think about as you go along, I guess. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, (laughs) It's yeah, I it, it is. I, I remember um, watching this movie uh, for the first time and just thinking like, oh, that was really smart. Like, mm. you know, kind of like making this about his plan focused around Dr. Manhattan. That's really clean and um, yeah, really, really good. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, and then and then yeah, the uh, the the news guy, um, the newsstand guy and the and the kid reading the, the comic book. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. the 25 year old kid reading the comic book, <laughs> um, uh, they, uh, they're an interesting choice to add in here and the, and the, um, ultimate cut with the, uh, with the, uh, the pirate story, um, added to it is just very interesting because like that again is all supposed to be setting up the, the comic book, sure, you know all of that, and and the, he puts it in here um, again just because it's part of the comic, and it doesn't really serve any grand right. purpose. Fan service, it, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I just I find that really, but I guess that's there's a reason why you're doing the director's cut and not the ultimate cut. Sure, um, so, yeah, yeah, fair enough. But uh, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. okay, sorry, I got all my criticisms out. <laughs> no, th- that's that's totally you know, totally fine. <laughs> All um, of your listeners hate me. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it. Uh, they're like, no, Zack Snyder's a genius and you're an idiot. <laughs> um, okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, everybody. No, no. <laughs> he's, he's not without his faults. I mean, that's we're not like Zack Snyder, you know, uh, I, I think loyalists. I mean, I think uh, we like a lot of what he does. I, I, I guess speaking for myself, I like a lot of what he does in this I movie. I still haven't um, seen 300 yet. Okay. <laughs> Um, let's see. Anything else for... Well, here's here's another one. Another a question to pose to you guys. Okay. They're here at dinner together because Rorschach visited her in Dr. Manhattan, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that what, you know, I mean, if that hadn't happened, they wouldn't... Got the ball rolling, yeah. Yeah. So is, do you think Rorschach is keeping tabs and, and is... Walking past outside, coincidentally. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Or... That's Rorschach. Um, oh, sh- <laughs> oops. Um, yeah, I, I, I can imagine that. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I think I think he's. I, what I love about his um, his uh, mild mannered uh, <laughs> secret identity 
Um, what I love about it as a uh, as a device in the comic and and here, because um, I think it works in both cases, uh, is that it's like the best secret identity ever. Because <laughs> you know, like Clark Kent is always like, "Oh yeah, no, I, I I've got to act invisible, so I got to be a doofus yeah. and somebody who's yeah. no one's gonna pay attention to." And it's like, if you really want to be someone no one's gonna pay attention to, be a homeless guy. Yeah, uh, here, because... hold my beer. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> Um, this, I mean, yeah. it's perfect. It's sort of like the yeah. perfect uh, middle finger to, to, to yeah. the Clark Kent persona in a way. I love it in the book. Um, I guess right now, I, and this is my fault, I guess we're just totally like saying F you to the spoiler of it all, but um, <laughs> I did this. Um, but I love like the first time reading the book and you see Rorschach without the mask, you're like, wait a minute. And then you start flipping back pages and pages like, oh my God, he was yeah, there the yeah. whole time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know if it worked. about comics. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. one of the things uh, that can work in comics that can't work in, yes. in movies because At you're reading. The yeah. Well, and you're right. reading, you're reading dialogue. You're not hearing it, yeah. you know? Um, and so that, that can sometimes be distracted. Like there are so many times where it's like, well, how are you going to adapt this thing where someone's talking off panel? You're going to know who that is because you can hear them in mm-hmm. a movie, you know? Um, oh sure yeah uh whereas like you're just reading dialogue coming in a speech bubble from off panel and that could be anybody you know um and Hmm. i think that's i I think it's uh, an example of uh you know the comic medium being used really really well um where uh this movie is trying to adapt the comic medium into movies and it can only work so well you know but yeah. I still like it. I still like that he's there <laughs> floating around. Yeah. Let me ask you this. You got you guys have seen it Usual Suspects, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. On the boat, does Kaiser Soze ever say anything? Uh, oh, God. It's been I haven't, long I feel enough. Been yeah, I don't. It's been done where, where someone has talked <laughs> mm-hmm. in a movie and it's pretty. You're pretty still unsure not sure of, of the identity. Is. Okay. Yeah. 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 But no, I totally, I totally get what you're saying, though. Too. Yeah. Um. So, anybody got anything else? Or I think uh, this could be a good uh, transition into uh, Scott, your history with Watchmen. Uh, yeah. I, uh, you know, the Watchmen graphic novel was, um, uh, like I, I read comics as a kid. I would just, you know get whatever issues I could get at, yeah, you yeah. know, the grocery store or whatever. Um, and so I had a lot of like, you know, parts two and four of, of like, <laughs> yeah, of yeah. like some seven part story or something. <laughs> yep. Um, I had a lot of stuff like that, uh, growing up and I mostly read, um, Superman and Spider-Man comics. Yeah. Uh, mostly when I was a kid. And, uh, and then at some point, I wouldn't even say that I grew out of it. It's just that, like, you know, my mom stopped buying them for me or stopped offering to buy them for me. And then, like, and and so, like, it just – I got a library card. You know, like, I just I, – I just kind of, like, drifted away from them. It wasn't, like – um, it wasn't anything that I was uh, specifically making a decision to do like some people do where they're like, I like girls now. No more <laughs> comics. Yeah. Um, Cause I rediscovered them in high school um, around when the Spider-Man movie was going to be coming out. And uh, you know, I would get single issues and things, but then I would also get a trade every time I went to 
went to the comic shop and, um, you know, two of the earliest ones where, you know, I was asking the, the comic shop guy like, oh, what comic should I read first? And they're like, oh, you should read Killing Joke and Watchmen, which in retrospect is a, a that's terrible. Why would yeah. you? Why would yeah. you do that? Um, but I, yeah. I got them and I and I read them and uh, uh, I just remember Watchmen, I just sort of blowing me away in terms of like a story without understanding that this was a deconstruction of anything. Um, I just thought it was like a really good story. Sure. And uh, I I read it um, about once a year. At that point, uh, like from from around uh, 16 or 17, I think, when I first read it and I probably read read it just about every year. It's funny. I read that and Crisis on Infinite Earths every year (laughs) and understood it more every year uh, because of just like other stuff that I I really dove in the deep end on the DC universe by reading Crisis really early on. but uh, yeah, I, I I would read it about once a year, and really I would get more and more out of uh, out of Watchmen every time because I would understand what it was doing more and more. Um, and then at a certain point, I learned about the Charlton characters and uh, understood what they were doing because at first I just thought they were archetypes, and not not understanding that they were actual like adaptations of very specific characters, um, and. Uh, Upon learning that, like then I I tried to read up on on those characters a little bit more, uh, and would learn like the differences between them and and things like that. Um, but I I really loved this comic a lot. Um, and then when they announced the movie, I remember there was like rumors of movies brewing for like you know all through yeah. the nineties and everything. Yeah. Um, and then when. I saw 300. I remember seeing 300. I feel like knowing that this was the guy who was going to do Watchmen. Yeah. Um, I think they announced it like in 2006 that Snyder was going to be doing it. Yeah. I think right when 300 came out. Right. Right. Uh, So I, and I, I followed all of it, like all of the, like there was a website and everything um, where they would, they would post like a new production photo like once a week or something like that. Um, and I would, I would be keeping tabs on that and, uh, just be like, you know, I, I, they would release like a picture of like a, of like a street. Yeah. Um, I know exactly what when you're talking right, about. Right. Right. And I would be like, Oh my God, it looks just yeah. like Watchmen. Um, and, uh, and then that first trailer with the, with the Batman and Robin song, um, <laughs> yeah. which is like a really excellent trailer. I mean, yes. I will I will give Zack Snyder all the grief in the world for his final products, but nobody makes a trailer like that guy. Um he's really good at that. Uh and that trailer was excellent. Um I and then I you know, I saw the movie and I thought it was really good. I got really em- embarrassed by the two minute long sex scene, which, oh God, guys, I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know what you're going to do when that happens, but uh, just going to take a break and come uh, back a week later. Yeah. Godspeed, uh, fellas. <laughs> um, but, uh, uh, yeah, I, you know, and I, and I was sort of really taken with the, with the third act. And then it wasn't until like the, the second or third time that I saw it, that I started thinking about like, why it doesn't quite work. Um, uh, but like overall, like I think it's a really entertaining movie and and the director's cut at three hours, it doesn't feel like a three hour movie. 
um, to me, like in, in not not like when you're watching it, like when you look back on it and you're like thinking about the beginning of the movie, it's like, oh, yeah, that was a while ago, wasn't it? Um, but that's sort of the feeling that you get when you're reading the, the, the comic as well. So, you know, it sort of tracks for me. Um, I think that as an adaptation, uh, I, I think it works OK. I, I don't think it's perfect. I think that. I think that visually it looks re- re- looks really great, but I, I I don't know how much I love that Zack Snyder turned what was a small murder mystery into a spectacle. Um, and I think that part of that is about trying to sell it overseas, um, I think is probably a little bit of that. But there is a spectacle quality to this movie that uh, feels uh, disingenuous to the original graphic novel, um, which is primarily, uh, you know, a character story and a murder mystery. Because the, the, the whole third act with the alien is, um, I mean, that's a spectacle, but it's it's sort of a deconstruction of a spectacle and like kind of showing you like the true horrors of if something actually happened the way that it does in comics. Um, but I, I, you know, in the, in the movie, it's like, it's just a spectacle throughout, which I find, uh, strange. Um, now watching it now, uh, having, you know, read Watchmen probably, you know, uh, a couple dozen times at this point in my life. Uh, so I, I don't know. It's, there's parts of it that I really, really love. Um, I think all the Rorschach stuff is great. I think that they really knocked it out of the park. I don't know why they all have super strength. I don't understand yeah. that. Um, yeah. And I'll never understand that. Uh, it's a weird choice. And again, it goes to that spectacle nature, I think, um, that I don't I don't love about it. And it's one of the things that I kind of hope that they end up like sort of tweaking in the HBO show. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I, I hope that they sort of scale that stuff back and make it a little um, – Less heightened reality. Yeah, a little yeah. more intimate yeah. of a story. Well, with with Rorschach, you said uh, you know you really did like him, but then you mentioned you know you said all the characters and super strength. Yeah. Do, do you notice? Do you, do you have? Do you take any issue with his supernatural? Is what we kind of deemed it uh, ability at least in one at least at one spot so far. Yeah. Uh, the, on the ledge of the oh, window. And, yeah, I mean the cop fires at him, and he's just somehow able to stand there and then disappear. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, I just, I took that as like a weird editing thing. Yeah. Um, mm. Where I, 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 I pictured that he just jumped out, jumped off before the guy or as the guy was firing or something. Um, I don't know, but uh, I don't, yeah. I mean, I don't like any of the, the supernatural strength and all of that. No. I don't, I don't love any of that uh, in the, in the, in the movie. Um, it's a, it's just, it's too much. Uh, but the, I mean, <laughs> Zack Snyder's like kind of the, yeah. it's kind of the poster ha- boy of a little too yeah. much. <laughs> yeah. I think coming from 300, it was too easy to be like, well, this is how you do a fight. And it's, it's super, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like, like I said, heightened reality and, and, and more gruesome and violent. So we got to do the same thing with Watchmen. Yeah. Right. Should have been toned down some but. yeah so i do hope that they tone that down i think that uh I, I i am interested in the hbo show i i i think um they could do some really cool stuff with it i think if if any if somebody had asked me 
you know, before this movie came out, what the perfect adaptation of Watchmen would be. Um, I probably would have said something similar to the way they ended up structuring the it adaptation, um, which was like do all of the backstory as its own movie and like show the fall of the superheroes and then do the murder mystery as its own movie. And so you do like two two hour movies. Okay. I, yeah. I, th- I think that would have been the best way because there at a certain point in this movie, it's you're just doing flashback after flashback after flashback after flashback. <laughs> and it's like it's like whiplash. Um next and, next week on Watchmen Minute, yeah. flashback after flashback. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um and and it's you know, that's the way that it's done in the comic, but um, you know, you can yeah. sort of take that at at its own pace in the comic, and you get the like the great you know, backstory stuff in the interstitials, um, the, uh, the, the chapter interstitials, which, uh, which, which I, I love all of that stuff. And I think that's really good, but I think that you could expand some of that and make it its own movie. Um, as a TV show, I have no idea what the structure will be. I remember a lot of people were like, Oh, it's gotta be a 12 episode HBO series, which, um, <laughs> yeah. it's just so funny that, uh, you know, they're getting, everyone's finally getting their wish that H- there's going to be an HBO Watchmen show. Uh, and, and it seems like, uh, generally no one seems that excited about it, at least not the way they would have like, say 10 years ago, if it had happened, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, and I just I find it interesting that like not a lot of people are talking about this HBO show and it like start it by the time you guys are hearing this it's already shooting um, right and that's crazy uh, <laughs> so I don't know it's interesting but yeah I the, the movie um you know I enjoy it as like a as like a, a a popcorn thing it's very pretty to look at I love that everything is shot on backlots and things because. Snyder wanted didn't want this to look like the eighties. He wanted it to look like the eighties in the movies. Yeah, you know, mm. and I and I think that's a really cool choice um, stylistically, yeah. and I it gives it like a really great look, and it it allows it to feel like the comic a little bit more um, in in uh, in certain moments. Yeah, um, yeah, and yeah, it, and then there's just like um, there's a general sort of I don't even know how to describe this, but it was something else that I was like noticing watching it again today. But like there's like a general sort of tone to the way people talk and interact with the with each other and the way that he shoots them that feels so much like the Watchmen comic that I don't even know what he's doing or how. Um it just makes me feel the same way that reading the comic does. And then he'll snap me out of it by having like those gratuitous fight scenes and things like that. But every once in a while, it'll just be, it'll be something as simple as like, you know, the scene where the comedian jumps off of Archimedes into the crowd, you know, and the way the crowd is like, you know, snarling at him and stuff. And it just looks like a Dave Gibbons panel. Um, And it's cool. And I really like that about it. And this might be, um, you know, it, it, it it's totally possible that the uh, Lindelof HBO show could be like a superior adaptation. But I don't know that we're ever going to get a better adaptation of Gibbons artwork than this movie. OK, 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that I think a big part of that is Zack Snyder's, you know, trademark use of slow motion mm-hmm. with action. It, it it helps to slow the frame down to make it, you know, that's that's how we can get near comic book frozen panels. You right. Know? Right. Um that's and they cool. can copy that style with HBO, but then right. you'll just be ripping off Zack Snyder who, right. who is not like a guy right now that you maybe want to, you know, sure. Copy off of, I don't, you know, just with the way everyone kind of seems to feel about him now. I don't, I don't know, but right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, uh, it's interesting. I, the only thing that he didn't adapt visual visually was like a lot of the colors. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, the coloring in the Watchmen book is very, uh, the lighting I think is yeah. very, yeah. Yeah it, yeah. it has a very particular look to it that mm-hmm. he did not recreate here. Um, yeah. It kind of reminds me of uh, when they recolored the killing joke. Okay. You know, um, to make it more sort of realistic colors. And it, it as its own thing, it's really interesting to look at, but it does lack the it lacks something from that original uh, color scheme. And I and I feel like this is uh, the Watchmen version of that. Yeah, yeah. We've talked about that a little bit, with especially with scenes like you know your, the killing of Eddie. It's like everything is in red, you know. Right. Where here, it's like everything is that dark blue lighting that it doesn't quite feel right. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. All anyway, right. <laughs> my thoughts on Watchmen. <laughs> there you go. Very cool. I well, you know what? You know what? I do have one question about this story that they tell. Okay. So later in this movie, it it seems to imply that we see the first time Rorschach ever murdered someone. Okay, yeah. But here, they tell this story where Rorschach is homophobic and drops a guy down an elevator shaft, which seems to suggest that that guy died. Um, yeah. But... So I don't I don't know. Does that I think it happens after that point in his the career. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. All right. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Because at that point Rorschach wouldn't be you know wouldn't have any qualms with uh Right. Like what like they say, dropping someone down an elevator shaft. Right. I just assumed that, that I guess I assumed that, that that scene with the uh uh with the with the pedophile um yeah. was after the Keen Act, but, oh. maybe, but maybe it wasn't. I don't know. No, I don't think so. Oh, okay. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Then I take it. I think. It, I think. It, yeah, we'll chat because we'll get there eventually. I think that's like six. For some reason, I'm thinking like 16 years ago. Oh, okay. I don't know why that number is in my head, but maybe maybe I'm just making that up. But so early versus earlier 70s versus late 70s for the yeah yeah okay About five years difference maybe. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. This was a long one. Sorry about all the criticism. Uh, no, no, no. no. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm sure. No, I think it's... I, I'm sure people are like really mad at me. Um, <sighs> I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be like uh, the sear off of this show. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking it, didn't want to say it. Um, <laughs> oh, no, well. I don't think that'll be the case. All right, sorry everybody. I, I really do. Uh, you know, I, I had a lot of fun rewatching the movie, but you know, when you, when you want stuff to talk about, um. Uh, criticisms tend to, I don't know, drift to the surface a little bit more mm-hmm. than uh, praise. But um, yeah. So anyway. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. 
Um, let's say we wrap this one up, and then we'll come back tomorrow and get back into it. All right. Sounds good. Cool. All right. So who watches The Watchmen? We, we do. Watchmen are over. And in the naked light I saw 10,000 people, maybe more 